Thank you for downloading this podcast from Grace Church Manchester. To listen to more or to get involved with church life, visit www.gracechurchmanchester.net. Thank you so much for that, and thank you for your warm welcome. Morning again. Um, it's really good to be with you. Um, in the last year, since we moved to uh, Pakistan, a lot's happened in our family, a lot of challenges, um, a lot of changes as we've moved, and yet we know that you wonderful people at Grace Church have been praying for us uh, and with us um, and watching the mini Mackie movies, uh, some of you, um, and praying for the people that we live among in Pakistan. So we want to say, or I want to say on behalf of the family, thank you um, so much for that. We thank God uh, for you and for your support and love um, and uh, friendship. Um, and so I'm praying today that God will use me this morning, use our time together to bless you, uh, just as you have been a blessing to us. I'll talk a little bit about Pakistan as we go, but most of all, I want us to again meet Jesus this morning um, in his words, to enjoy him, to be amazed by him, and to have our perspective on our lives uh, refreshed or indeed changed, um, uh, renewed uh, by him. I want us to see something of the, the glory, the brilliance of Jesus, and to be changed for the better um, which always happens. So why don't we pray um, uh, that, that God will do that, and then we'll press on. Father in heaven, thank you so much that you speak to us. You don't leave us in the dark, groping around, trying to find our way to you, but you have made a way. You came down to find us as we were singing. You led us out of death. Lord, thank you so much for your grace. Lord, we, we so easily become enamored by other things. Um, we, our hearts are turned away from you. Lord, I pray that you would open our spiritual eyes, that we would see Jesus this morning, um, and that uh, our lives would again be changed and renewed by him. Lord, without you, we can do nothing. Without you, this is a boring and pointless waste of time. Lord, may it not be that. Would you meet with us by your spirit? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we've just heard the king of the universe speaking into a little school hall um, in Moss Side. Um, it's pretty mind-blowing, isn't it? that that's what happens um, when we read uh, the Bible. And, and so it's my prayer as we, as we look at these verses that we would be conscious that this is the king speaking to us. Uh, but of course, God speaks through real-life situations into our real-life situations. So let me um, remind you uh, or bring you up to speed on the real-life situation that we're coming across here. A letter from Paul to Timothy. Paul, this Christian leader, this missionary, this church planter with an incredible backstory of how God turned him from killing Christians to being one. 
from overseeing the, the persecution of Christians to being a leader uh, of Christians. And he's writing to Timothy, this young guy, church leader, facing a tough uh, time, facing opposition, facing threats, uh, difficulty, probably also loneliness and fear about the future. Maybe you can identify with some of that um, this morning. We all f- sometimes find ourselves in difficult situations, don't we? Um, and maybe you're facing one today. We all know that this country uh, is facing a time of uncertainty. But actually, we never know the future, do we? Um, We never know what's around the corner. We're a little bit more aware, perhaps, right now that we don't know what the next few years uh, are going to look like. But God doesn't just speak through pronouncements from on high or abstract ideas. He speaks through real-life situations into our real-life situations. And so in this part, in 2 Timothy, God's word comes from a man who is battered and bruised and imprisoned. But he's still smiling. And it comes to a young lad who feels like he's got more, than his, more on his plate than he can cope with. He's tempted to, to give up. He's finding living as a Christian hard. He's worried about what's coming around the corner. Maybe it will be prison for him too. This is real life stuff. You know, in those days, becoming a Christian was even more unpopular, lots more unpopular than it was becoming now. You know, coming to believe in Jesus means your whole world, your whole life in many ways, changing. The message of Jesus is infectious, it's powerful. And it challenges whatever culture we're from, whatever background we're from, whatever our situation, wherever we find ourselves, it challenges some of the ideas that we hold most precious. And so as Christianity was beginning to spread in Paul and Timothy's day, in these early decades after Jesus had lived and died and risen from the dead, people who liked the way things were, people who liked the status quo, people who made their money from the way things were, who built their reputations on the way things were, they were doing all they could to try and stamp Christianity out and get rid of it. And one of the best ways they could think of to try and stamp Christianity out was by taking those people who were spreading it, those people around whom lives were being changed, and these, these communities, these churches were, were being formed, and, and people who were making a stir, well, throw them into prison. And Paul, who's writing this letter, is one of those guys. He gets beaten, spat on, locked up, publicly shamed for bringing this message of Jesus. And then you've got Timothy that he's writing to, who's worried that he might be next, because he's leading this little church. He's leading this little group of people following this unpopular uh, guy who is reported to have risen from the dead. Can you imagine being in his shoes? Can you identify with him? He's timid, he's young, he's inexperienced. But God, through Paul, has chosen him to be a church leader. You get the impression he feels out of his depth. You know, God often takes us into roles, doesn't he, where we feel out of our depth. I think that's part of the way that he teaches us to stop thinking that we are brilliant and gifted and... We can do it all, and isn't God lucky to have me on his team? Um, Well, that's Timothy. Timothy is in a situation where he needs God's help and strength to keep going. Maybe you are today. I mean, Paul has said to Timothy in verse 3, join with me in suffering. Has anyone ever said that to you? 
I'm really suffering over here. Come and join me. Not that Timothy wants to suffer. I mean, who does? <laughs> um, he's not a masochist. Normal people don't seek out pain. But Paul seems to be saying, listen, Timothy, in your situation, suffering is going to come if it hasn't already. You're going to end up sharing in the kind of stuff I'm facing because you love Jesus, because you're leading his church. Some people don't like that. I'm, I'm laboring this a little bit, but, but I want us to feel how heavy this would be for Timothy. I want us to feel the, the, the heaviness of his situation that he's facing because Paul and Timothy aren't messing around. You know, this Christianity thing, we're not playing games here. Uh, throughout history and across much of the world, Becoming a follower of Jesus has meant, does mean, stepping from a life of comfort and security into a life of rejection from family, discrimination from society, in some cases becoming a target for the authorities. So in that situation, what does Paul say to Timothy? It's the same thing that he says to us as we face uncertainty and challenges. It's actually, I think, the same thing he says to those of us feeling pretty safe and comfortable and cool about life this morning. God, through Paul, speaks into this school hall in Mossside this morning and says, verse 8, Remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. Raised from the dead, descended from David. Now, the Bible makes some radical claims. And sometimes if we've been around churches for a while, which I expect some of you have, we miss the hugeness of it all. So let's just chew on those words for a minute. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. Here's perhaps the most central radical claim in the Bible. Paul calls it in the same verse, his gospel. His news. And that is that Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, the man Jesus who, who lived in a backwater of the Roman Empire 2,000 years ago, 2,000 miles away from us, who spent much of his career in the building trade, this guy who was brutally murdered in his early 30s as a troublemaker in one of the most shameful ways you can imagine, that guy, that seemingly random life, he is alive in heaven today and is the eternal king of all things. That's the claim. I mean, isn't it nuts? Doesn't it seem nuts that that, that guy, that one life, that man, he is living now. And he is the ruler of the universe. That's what Christ means, the anointed one, God's chosen ruler and rescuer, the king who was promised, who would come and rescue people from death, that great enemy that all of us are hurtling towards because we will all one day die won't we people have been living on earth for thousands of years uh, but the oldest person alive today well I actually checked last week I haven't checked this week on Wikipedia I believe the oldest person alive today is 116 the second place was also 116 so there's a good chance um but there's a huge implication there, isn't there? People have been living for thousands of years. The oldest person alive is 116. None of us can escape death. No one can beat death. And I, I suspect that as I say that this morning, for some of you that's painful to hear because death is a horrible enemy and it affects all of our lives. No one can beat death. 
But Jesus did. Jesus did. Jesus, who was and is the perfect God-man. He beat death. He beat death. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. You know, death came into the world as the result of our of, of us turning our hearts away from God, cutting ourselves off from the source of life, shunning him, loving ourselves. It has ruined so much for so many, hasn't it? Death. And yet, here's Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, the only person who always loved the Lord God with all his heart and mind and soul and strength and loved his neighbor as himself. He didn't cut himself off. Uh, from God. He was the God-man. And so death could not hold on to him. Death couldn't hold on to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is raised from the dead. He is alive today, this morning. Sunday, July the 17th. Um, He's alive. There's hope in the face of death. In the face of prison, in the face of suffering, in the face of uncertainty, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. That's the second bit, isn't it? Descended from David. There's hope because Jesus is the forever king of all kings. Caesar is not the forever king of all things. Teresa is not the forever queen, uh, prime minister of all things, nor anyone else. That's what descended from David means. David, this big name king of God's people in the Old Testament. And God promised him, didn't he, in 2 Samuel, that one day one of his descendants would be the true king over God's people forever and ever. One of David's descendants would be the good, unselfish king we all want. Ruling over everything. Don't we want our rulers to be unselfish, to rule in the interest of their people? Jesus is the only true unselfish king. He's the one we all want, ruling over everything, bringing peace for those who trust in him. And so Paul is reminding Timothy of that reality that he knows. He reminds us this morning of that reality that many of us know. That is Jesus. Remember Jesus Christ, Timothy. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. Because Paul says, in effect, that's why I'm still smiling. That's why I'm still smiling. Here I am in prison, the situation is pretty rough. I used to be respected, now I'm spat on. I used to be a big shot, now I'm a convict. And do you ever read the um, accounts of what Paul was doing or his letters and kind of when he talks about what he's going through and just kind of think, why don't you just jack it all in, Paul? I mean, why, or, or if you don't jack it all in, why don't you at least keep your mouth shut and keep your religion private rather than sharing it with other people as if it matters for them? What right have you got to interfere in their lives? And for that matter, what right have you got, Grace Church, to reach out and share your faith in these communities? What right have you got to go and plant a church in Chalton? You know, what right have you got to send or support people going to other countries where there are other predominant religions and pray for God's church to grow? Answer? Because with Paul, we remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. We remember that he is the king over all things, that this is his world. This is my gospel says Paul. 
This is good news. And it's true news. If it's true, it changes everything for everyone. If it's true, it changes how we look at our lives. If it's true, it changes what's important in life. You know, either Jesus is God and should be known and loved and honored by everyone, or he's not God and should be honored by no one. It's as binary as that. If he is, if it's true, well, our perspective on life totally shifts, doesn't it? If it's true, earthly comfort, personal preferences, while certainly not wrong in themselves, they're not the central thing anymore. Nothing like it. Living in light of the fact that Jesus is the Christ, risen from the dead, the king of all things. That, that's what's important. That's what's important. So this morning we need, with God's help, to shape our lives in response to this reality. I know that some of you here may be just looking into Christianity. And I know that um, Grace Church uh, is, a, is a place, a group of people, where you are really welcome to take your time and ask your questions. For those of us who've come to see that this is true, we, we need to keep shaping our lives in response, in response to the reality of who Jesus is. And for those of us who are exploring, we need to seriously ask these questions. It's great that you're here. It's great that you're asking these questions because if Jesus really is the king, if, if what this book says really is true, it changes everything. It changes everything. So in the rest of our time together this morning, I'd like us to look just briefly at the impact of remembering Jesus on a few people's lives. We're going to start with Paul. He carries on um, talking about the impact that this has uh, uh, on his life. And in the process, we'll see um, these reasons to keep going as Christians, these reasons to keep living for speaking about Jesus. Let me pick it up again in verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David, This is my gospel, for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not changed, is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. All right. How does remembering Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David, how does it affect um, Paul's life? Because we've seen, haven't we, that, that coming to know Jesus as this king who laid down his life to beat death and to one day come back and bring about peace forever for those who trust in him, that got Paul excited to say the least. There's, there's a um, significant chunk of uh, what we've got in front of us here in these pages um, that are a result of that getting Paul excited. The Holy Spirit turned his life around, eventually sent him out with a chap called Barnabas to take this message around the known world. So his life has been changed, right? His life has been shaped by this. That's not the trajectory that he would have been on if he had stayed in his previous state. And that shaping, as we've been seeing, has led Paul into some tough situations. He's in prison, where he's writing from. Now, 
why did he keep going? Why did he keep going? Why did he keep going on about this stuff? You know, it's one thing to have your life changed a bit. It's one thing to have your outlook changed a bit. It's one thing to, you know, start coming along to church on a Sunday morning and all that kind of thing. It's quite another thing to defy the authorities talking about Jesus to the point of getting thrown in prison. But you see, God didn't just shape Paul's job, giving him this new job to go and tell people about Jesus which he might have kind of given up or jacked in when it started to get difficult if it was just a kind of job description and I'll take it or leave it. But you see, God shaped not just his job, but his passions, his hope, his perspective. It's here in verse 10. Paul says that he keeps going, he endures everything because God has decided to give eternal glory to people from every single ethnic background on earth. That's what he means when he talks about the elect. Maybe some of you have started to get sweaty palmed um, uh, hearing talk about the elect. Sometimes Christians can descend into a theological bun fight and I'm delighted that Mike spoke so helpfully and clearly uh, last week uh, on predestination uh, and uh, all of these things. So if this throws up any concerns or questions for you, let me recommend uh, last week's uh, sermon from the website. Listen to that. But, 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 it's clearly not Paul's intention here to start any kind of theological bun fight, to start any kind of argument. Paul is not saying this to Timothy in order to start a quarrel, in order to get him sweaty palmed. In fact, that's exactly what he doesn't want, isn't it? That's why we read verse 14. Warn them before God, warn God's people before God against quarreling about words. It's of no value. It only ruins those who listen. No, Paul is writing to Timothy in his situation to encourage him, to help him keep going when it's tough. That's why God has put this here for us, to encourage us, to help us keep going when it's tough. So we should be encouraged as we read these verses. And maybe this verse uh, about the elect should be the first one that we turn to when we're struggling. All right, what's the big encouragement? Paul is saying this. Look, Timothy, God is in the business of rescuing people. God is in the business of rescuing people. The God that we've all turned our backs on. The God in whose face we have all metaphorically spat. He is so gracious, so uniquely loving that he has decided, elected, to rescue people from eternal death, from eternal separation from God and all that is good, to eternal life, to forever with God, enjoying him and his goodness and his good gifts in a world without sin. People rescued forever, the Bible says, from every single language group, from every single ethnicity, bar none. That is, I was going to say, that is how wide God's love is. That's a taste There's one aspect of how wide God's love is. Shocking. God is in the business of rescuing people. It ought to stun us. And and we know too from the Bible that God's design for how they become rescued is that people will go and tell them the good news. 
about this good and glorious rescuing king, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descended from David. And so, Paul says here, that vision, that glorious reality of of the elect, of people saved to be with God forever in a world put right from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. That is so glorious, so eternal, so worth living for, so worth even dying for. That's why I'm in prison. That's why I endure all of this stuff. So that more people can hear, more people can be saved, more people can find eternal glory, forever joy, forever splendor, forever peace in Christ Jesus. So, keep going, Timothy. Keep going, Christian friends. Focus like a soldier. Keep going like an athlete. Work hard like a farmer. Remember Jesus Christ. His power over death. The foreverness of his kingship. That perspective changes everything. So if you're into headings... Where are we up to so far? Reasons to keep going. Reasons to keep living and speaking about, living for, speaking about Jesus in our world today. Number one, Jesus is the forever living, loving king of all things. Number two, he has decided, he's elected to use us to rescue people from every kind of background. Here's a third reason coming up. Let's read verses 11 to 13. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we're faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. On uh, 13th of March, 1555, an illiterate fisherman called uh, Rawlins White, um, there he is, uh, was burned at the stake in Cardiff city center for believing the Bible and following Jesus. And he was one of around 285 people publicly and legally burned uh, in this country, killed by burning in this country for those beliefs in the space of around three and a half years. And in the grand scheme of things, it's not all that long ago. It's not that many generations ago in this country. Now, Rawlins White, like perhaps some people here, uh, had the gift of the gap. Um, he, uh, he'd become known as someone who liked to talk with his friends about Jesus. And so, in those days when Mary I came to the throne... Uh, he was taken from his family and thrown into prison. Just an ordinary guy, fisherman. He couldn't even read. He sent his son to school to learn to read so that his son could read the Bible to the family. Um, Ordinary guy, taken from his family, thrown into prison. And the religious authorities did everything they could to try and persuade him to change his views. But Rawlins White remembered Jesus Christ. And specifically, he remembered uh, Paul's words and Jesus' words. Jesus says something very similar. Paul says here, if we disown him, 
Jesus. He will also disown us. And he once commented to his friends specifically about these words, I will, I want to, by his favorable grace, confess and bear witness of him before men that I may find him in everlasting life. Because you see, Rawlins White didn't want to be disowned by his precious king, Jesus. He had come to see that knowing Jesus is worth more than all the treasures in the world. He couldn't imagine anything worse than being disowned by wonderful Jesus, King Jesus. So how could he publicly disown him? And on the day they took him out to burn him, he saw his wife and kids in the crowd weeping. One witness wrote that the sudden sight of them so pierced his heart that the very tears trickled down his face. Can you imagine? This is just an ordinary guy like you and me. It feels so distant, doesn't it? It's just an ordinary guy like you and me. To see your wife and kids about to become a widow and orphans in a day when there was no welfare state to look after them. What would you do? Well, with great difficulty, but I trust with the Holy Spirit's help, Rawlins White remembered Jesus Christ. And he went to the stake. He didn't have strength in numbers. He's the only guy in Cardiff that got burned to death for this. But he went to the stake and was burned because he realized that if the Bible is true, if Jesus Christ is king, it really changes how we approach everything, even opposition and death. Uh, what about 2016? Here are some um, pastor evangelists um, in Asia that I know and that you as a church have links with, one of the um, uh, community groups, life groups, don't know what you call them, groups, um, supports them uh, and is involved with them. Because of, I can't say a great deal about them in this public setting, they are deliberately blurry, the projector's not gone dodgy. Um, Let me say this, these guys live among communities uh, where people don't have access to the good news Uh, that we've been exploring this morning. And and they live there with a desire to give people access to it so that people might obtain salvation in Jesus with eternal glory. One of them has been living in our house uh, while we've been here. Uh, Not our house, we don't have a house here. Our house in Pakistan. Um, Because they had to flee their town uh, last month after word got out that a a, a local Muslim lady um, had been visiting their family to find out more about this Um, Christianity stuff, to read the Bible, uh, to pray. And it had been threatened by uh, the local people that this family will be put in prison for what they've done. They've got three kids. Um, And it's not the first time they've had to leave the area. In the past, they've had to leave because of death threats from extremists and so on. Um, But I got a message uh, from him uh, on Friday to say that they've gone back now. They were so keen to go back. Um, We uh, really feel for them. Um, They say God is working. God's enemies are also working too. We think that we need to go back. Please pray for them. Please pray especially for the kids uh, who have a tough time. 
Um, another one of these uh, is a young guy. He's been out of Bible college for a couple of years. He's younger than I am. He's not long uh, planted a church among nominal Christians. Uh, so um, people who, whose identity card would say Christian. They've been born into the traditional Christian community, but uh, they don't know the gospel. They don't know Jesus. And he wants to reach out among them and also among uh, others because this community is really quite small and the majority of the city has no access to hear about Jesus. But they've just been visited by some local heavies and told you need to get out of this place. We don't want you here. Please pray for them. Please pray for wisdom. Please pray that God would open a door for them to stay. Another has to escort his teenage kids to and from school every day because they have stones thrown at them um, because they're Christians. Another is um, just out of Bible college and despite knowing the challenges uh, that these others are facing, they're not naive. He's looking to plant a church in a new and difficult area with his young wife. Please pray for these guys as God brings them to mind because One of the things that really encourages me is that these guys know, as Paul and Timothy knew, that for the unreached people groups of the world to be reached with the gospel, we, God's people, will need to lay down our lives. In a sense, and I'm not just talking about people overseas, people far away. I, um, although when I talk about unreached people groups, Generally, most people in this country are not considered unreached in this sense. And yet, I heard a statistic recently, I don't know how accurate it is, um, but it was quoted by a reliable source that around 8% of young people only in this country actually know a Christian. How many of us are prepared to endure the sort of stuff Paul endured For the sake of the elect. I ask myself that question as much as anyone else. We need to die to our own ambitions and plans. We need to remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descended from David. We need to lay down our lives, our reputations, our fragile egos. So that more people can hear about Jesus. I can think of so many times when I have cared too much about looking like a weirdo or, um, you know, it being a bit awkward um, to make or take an opportunity to tell a friend about Jesus. Um, I um, have too often been more uh, afraid even of the raised eyebrow, let alone the raised fist. I know how weak my own desires and efforts are. And it's not my intention to make anyone feel guilty this morning. I just want us to encourage one another. As one struggler to another, remember Jesus Christ, who in his life and death earned all the approval we ever need from God for us. And he took all the disapproval that ever really matters, God's disapproval, all that we will ever deserve from God for us in his death on the cross. And so we're free, aren't we? We're loved by God and there's no need to feel guilty. Paul underscores this. He gives us a final reason to keep going. Verse 11, if we died with him, we will also live with him. 
Paul said elsewhere, I have been crucified with Christ. And if death is to be separated from God and his goodness, well, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, when he lived, when he felt, when he experienced the the bleakness of knowing only his father's anger and none of his goodness, he did it for us. If you're a believer in Jesus this morning, the death that you deserve happened in the death of Jesus. And in that sense, we have died with him. Do you see? And so, so what? We will also live with him. Paul says, if we've died with him, we will also live with him. If you belong to Jesus, your life forever is guaranteed. Guaranteed, no question. Not life as we know it, going on and on and on and on and on, getting older and older and older, but life as it was meant to be, with all its joy and strength and peace and wonder and rest and fulfilling work and enjoyment of a perfect relationship with God, world without end. Doesn't that, doesn't knowing that, doesn't knowing I, if I died with him, put your name in here, if I died with him, I will also live with him. Doesn't knowing that change your perspective on the here and now? What's the point in pursuing our own comfort, our own fame, our own selfish ambitions? No, in our work, in our parenting, in our family planning, in our singleness, in our marriages, in all things. May God make us people who remember Jesus Christ, our living, reigning, eternal, good and loving King. And therefore, let's lay down our lives, like Paul and Timothy, like these brothers and sisters Uh, on the screen, like women and men down the centuries around the world, in our contexts, enduring everything for the sake of people coming to know eternal joy, eternal joy in Christ Jesus our Lord. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descended from David. Remember his love for all peoples. Remember, if you've died with him, you will also live with him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we feel our weakness, but we see your strength. You are the God of grace, the God of undeserved kindness. You sent your son into the world to die the death we deserve. He is alive. He reigns. He's the king. Lord, I pray this week that you would show us the next step, as it were, for each of us. That we would have our lives shaped that little bit more this week by these glorious realities. And Lord, that you'd give us grace to lay down our concern for ourselves and to live for Jesus. Ask it in his mighty name. Amen. Thank you for downloading this podcast from Grace Church Manchester. To listen to more, or to get involved with church life, visit www. 
gracechurchmanchester.net.